Well, it is uh, good, good to be back in town. Um, uh, there was uh, many of us who were in Malibu for the last several days at the Pepperdine Bible Lectures and uh, had a great time out there uh, listening to speakers and spending time together and enjoying uh, good beachside meals and uh, good to see uh, friends and reconnect with people. Um, our praise team led one of the morning praise times and just did an outstanding job. I'm so proud of the work that they did. Uh, thank you guys for that. Lots of extra rehearsals and time together and uh, just did, did a phenomenal job. Um, also, today is Laura's birthday, and so we want to celebrate that. <laughs> Got to make sure to get all the important things in. <laughs> Let's pray together as we uh, start our time in the Word. God, we thank you for this morning and the time we have to gather uh, the time that we have to be with family. God, I pray that you will open up your word to us, that we will hear you, that we will um, encounter you. That as, as the Spirit works through this time, God, I pray that we will we'll have new insight to, to what you have for us. And so, God, we pray that you will eliminate the distractions and help us through this time so that we have ears to hear and the courage to obey. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, there was a woman who was told that she only had a couple months left to live. And so she began making her final preparations for what that would look like, and part of that was to, to spend some time crafting the funeral service. And so she met with the, the minister and went through the, the songs that she wanted sung and going through the scriptures that she wanted read, the, the, the things that she wanted to be said, uh, what she wanted to be dressed in, uh, also said that she wanted to be buried with her favorite Bible. Uh, but then she had one more thing that she wanted to be included. And so the minister said, what, what is it? What, what is it that you want as a part of this special time? And she said, this one's important. This, this is an important piece. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. And the minister reacted the way some of you looked and was just kind of puzzled. Like, okay, you know, the Bible makes sense, right? Having that favorite dress, having, having this certain way of, of laying out a funeral. But, but a fork in your right hand, what, what is the story there? And so the woman explained this. She said, in all my years of going to functions where food was involved, especially those church functions, my favorite part was whenever the person was clearing away the dishes from the main course and they would lean over and say, keep your fork. Because when they said, keep your fork, you knew something good was coming. There was something to look forward to. The, the meal was not yet over. It wasn't going to be any jello pudding. It was going to be something of substance that required a fork, a pie, a cake. And so when people walk by my casket, I want them to see that fork in my hand, and I want them to wonder, what's with the fork? <laughs> and then I want you to tell them, something better is coming, so keep your fork. And so sure enough, at the funeral, people would walk by, 
the woman's casket, and they would see her pretty dress, and they would see her Bible, and then they would see this shiny silver object in her right hand and say, what's with the fork? And over and over he smiled, and during his message, the pastor told them that told them about the conversation that the woman had. And he told them about the fork and what it symbolized to her. Something better is coming. Keep your fork. And so last week we began this series on Peter. And we began talking about Peter the person and, and, and gave us this, this full story of who Peter is. His, his life, and his death, to give us a sense of, of, of what was coming up, a sense of, of who he is and why he would have written something like First Peter. And so as, as we look at, at First Peter, we get into chapter 1. And we looked a little bit at the context of 1 Peter last week and looked at the audience of who he's writing to. And he's writing specifically to uh, people who who are existing in a hostile environment. They're being persecuted. They're suffering for a variety of reasons. They're, they're suffering, suffering because they're marginalized in society. They're, they're exiles. They are strangers. They are aliens. And so, so they are living in a place not as citizens. They're living in a place as exiles. And so there's a certain sense of, of suffering that exists because of who they are, the, their race, their nationality, their, their homeland is, is discriminating them. But then they're also suffering because they have professed faith in Jesus. And in this profession of faith, they are now existing in a hostile environment. That for them to confess a belief in Jesus is alienated them from the communities that they exist in. And so this morning we look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, and, and look at this time, and it's especially timely for our graduates. As you think about this next season that you're walking into, listen to Paul's words with this in mind. That as he writes to this church, these churches, he's also writing to us. And especially when we find ourselves in times of transition, especially transition into a university. As we think about the suffering and the hostile environment that exists there. And so these verses are Peter's opening prayer. This is his introduction to the letter that he's writing. And he's trying to provide encouragement to this group of Christians. And he's trying to, to remind them of the salvation that they have. Remind them of who they are. And he's saying, something better is coming. Keep your fork. Let's read, starting in verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a praise. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is, is kept in heaven for you who, who through faith 
are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is, already, that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Rejoice, even though you're suffering. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, in glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with this inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. You're receiving the end result of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. What an opening prayer. As he celebrates and praises God and for, for the work that God is doing through the resurrection, even in the midst of this suffering, even in the midst of this hostile environment. And there's this, this grand chain reaction that's happening, this this domino effect of things. One has to come before the other, and it all starts with the mercy of God. Mercy can be described as, as the pity God shows toward humanity in spite of their sin, that, that God shows pity on us even though, that we are, even though we're sinful, and we're totally helpless in and of ourselves to make things right, that our relationship with God is broken in our own efforts. And mercy is required to repair that. And so humanity is in need of something. We are in need of the mercy of God. And it is this mercy of God that leads into the new birth that we experience. The, the regeneration is the, the theological churchy term for it. We, we have new birth, new life, new creation in Jesus. And because God is merciful to us, and because he begins this regeneration process, this new birth process, it gives us something. What do we have when we receive new birth? A living hope. And that living hope is something that orients, orients us and, and refocuses us. We, we look on heavenly things instead of earthly things. We, we look to Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus with this hope. It's, it's, a, it's a look toward the future that God is going to bring everything into a correct way of being. He is going to, to recreate everything into the perfection that he originally designed it to be. And that's what we hope for. In the midst of the suffering, God's mercy comes onto us, gives us new birth, and gives us a new hope to look for. And this hope leads to an inheritance. It's an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We receive a gift. We receive an inheritance because we're now a part of God's family. And as, as children of God, we receive this new birth and we look forward to the special inheritance. And that inheritance is salvation. And I think too often for us, we think about salvation as something that is simply uh, fire insurance. That I'm saved in this moment and now I don't have to go to hell. But salvation is so much more than a ticket out of hell. 
Salvation is something that is here for us now. Salvation is something that is life-giving and and energizing for us. As, As God is saving us every day for a life that he has called us into, a life that can say, be joyful even in the midst of suffering. This new life that you have, this salvation that you receive, is something that we receive only through faith. This faith that we have is the only action on our part to be able to get into this process, to get into this domino effect of of mercy and new birth and living hope and inheritance and salvation. And so in this short opening prayer, Peter lays out the entire gospel message for us. It says, this is the message of the, of the cross. This is the message of the resurrection. This is who we are, regardless of the situation you find yourself in, regardless of the, the situation that you find yourself graduating from and going into, this is who we are as the people of Christ. We are resurrection people. But it's going to come at a cost. There will be suffering. There will be trials. Peter is probably writing this at the very end of his ministry when he is, is, uh, is close to martyrdom in Rome. He himself is going to be executed. And so he's writing this not just as, as something to churches to encourage them. He's also writing this as his very testimony to say, this is who I am. This is my testimony that I am facing suffering in Rome. I am facing this persecution, and, and, the, and the culture is hostile towards me. I am in exile in a, in a foreign land, and, and this is what I believe about Jesus. This is what I believe about salvation and what I believe about the cross. And so the rest of 1 Peter is going to lay out for us instructions on how to act and how to behave in such a way. As believers, how do we live in a hostile world, and he lays that out for for us. And so we don't have a lot of time to unpack all of these pieces. There's a lot going on here. But I think there's an important message for our seniors as they graduate. There's an important message for all of us as we look at what Peter is saying here. Because he's addressing those who are suffering. And, and suffering for Peter is not like a, <laughs> I have a cough. Suffering is not, oh, I have, I have finals next week. Suffering is not that. Suffering is, I have claimed the name of Jesus, and now I am being cast out of the culture that I've been a part of. Suffering is a rejection by the world because of my confession in Christ. And Peter is saying in the midst of that suffering, put your faith in Christ. The ultimate gift that we have is the salvation that we have through faith. And so put your trust in that, not the culture around you, not the the things that are resisting you. Put your trust in that faith. And so as you transition into a different phase of life, as you are going into this this new phase of of going to a university or or going into the workforce, going into what's next, you're going to get into this place where where you are faced with a decision. Will you give in to the hostile world around you or will you profess the name of Christ? 
Will you stand in the, in, in the faith and the inheritance that you have received? Will you stand in that truth? This is a message for all of us. And I think too many of us in our culture look at the situations that we're in and we don't see a lot of suffering for the name of Christ. And I wonder why is it that we don't suffer for the name of Christ? Is it that we're not declaring the name of Christ as aggressively and assertively and as truthfully as we should? Because we live in a culture that says everything is okay, everybody's beliefs are legitimate, everybody can do what they want to do. And it's not my place to speak against what they're saying. It's not my, it's not my place to speak truth into that. Because everybody has their own truth, right? And so you can follow this thing, and I can follow this thing, and I'm not going to step up and say that the only way to God is through Jesus. Do we have the courage to say that outside of these walls, on the university campus, in our workforce, to our neighbors? Peter gives us this incredible message in his opening prayer. He, he celebrates and he, he praises God because we have something far greater than what the world has to offer. We have salvation. Salvation that brings a living hope. Salvation that brings a new life. Salvation that brings a confidence in the future. And this is a message the world does not want. And of all places, the university is most hostile towards this message. Will you confess in the name of Jesus? Because we are a believing community. We're, we're a people who are fallen and broken, and the only way that we can get back into a right relationship with God is through his son, Jesus. And society does not like that answer, but it is the truth of Scripture that we hold on to. And salvation for us is more than just where we go after death. Salvation is about the life that we live now, the work that God is doing in us through the Holy Spirit as our, as our lives are transformed, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of discouragement. And so as a church, we are a people who are, are called together to be a group that, that trusts in God, that obey Him, they're obedient to Him, and even even in the midst of a hostile, conversation, a hostile culture, we are going to continue the conversation and we're going to continue speaking truth. Peter's message is so important to us. Scott McKnight says this about Peter's message. He says, our world both deserves it, Peter's message, and needs it because it is God's world and because God has brought his son into the world so that this very world might know truth, the truth that can set us free and give us a center for finding meaning in our culture. It may be the case that we will suffer for standing up bold for the message of salvation. But we are called to proclaim God's salvation. And so these are the opening words of Peter. 
you find yourself in a hostile world, a world that says everybody can have their own opinions, everybody can have their own way, everybody can have their own truth. And Peter says that is not where salvation is found. Salvation is found in the resurrection of Jesus. Will you take that with you out of these doors into a place that doesn't want to hear that message? That's our challenge for us this morning, for all of us.